Welcome back, everybody. It's the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Time for our weekly chat with ESPN radio personality and our guy, Freddie Coleman, host of Freddie and Fitzsimmons, which you can check out weeknights at 9 p.m. right here on WDEV. Tonight, we got Red Sox Astros, so Freddie's show streaming at WDEVradio.com. Freddie, what's up, man? How are you? I'm trying to stay cool like you're trying to stay cool, my friend. How are you doing with that? Uh, you know, we're doing better today, but I have determined that uh, broken office air conditioner is among the worst first-world problems one can have. That's true because the central air or any kind of air conditioning is not working with the heat wave. There are going to be a lot of bitter and very unhappy people until they get that fixed. Well, there you go. Hey, tomorrow, Freddie, i got to tell you, I am hanging out with the Vermont National Guard going shooting as part of an initiative that they're doing okay. with the Guard. Have you ever been shooting, and do you have any tips for me? Because I'm a little uneasy about this. Well, you should be uneasy. Have you ever fired a gun before? That's the question I have for you. I've never even held a gun before. Okay, well, put it this way. Remember... To pay attention to those who know more about that than you do, because I've never had a chance to shoot a gun, whether it's a BB gun or anything like that. But it should be a great experience as long as you A, be safe, B, be safe, C, be safe, and D, pay attention to those who want to make sure that you're going to be safe. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I will be listening intently. It will be an honor to be hanging out with the uh, with the with the guard, and that will be a great experience. But again, I'm a little on edge, so uh, we'll see what happens. Well, I'll report back to you next week. Sounds good. If you're around, that's good. <laughs> oh, don't don't say that. Don't don't even put that thought in my head, Freddie. <laughs> you know me, Brady. I care because I care. Absolutely. Hey, it was very cool last night. I gotta say, very cool on your show, Freddie and Fitzsimmons, uh, to hear UVM product Ross Colton on your station last night. He scored a goal. Lightning beat the Hurricanes. They're moving on to the Eastern Conference Finals, and there was our guy, UVM's own Ross Colton, on your show. Yeah, it was pretty cool to have a guy that. Think about it. He played with Cedar Rapids after being at the University of Vermont. Especially played with Cedar Rapids before going to University of Vermont and just got called up after the season got started. And he's part of a great fourth line for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And people forget that this team won the Stanley Cup last year. And they've just been able to run through the, the first two playoff rounds so far. And he's been a big addition to that production line when it comes to the fourth line because the Carolina Hurricanes are a really good team. And Tampa Bay made them look like the Mighty Ducks when it was all said and done because they're so good at controlling everything, no matter what part of the ice that the puck is going to be. They play with great speed. They play with great passion. And when you can run out four lines that can produce, you place a lot of mental strain on your opponents because you just never know where that production is going to come from because the Ning Dynasty, right now, they're the best team going in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's going to be almost impossible to take four games from that team. The Bruins face elimination tonight against the Islanders, who you told us a couple weeks ago would be a very tough matchup for the Bees, and here they are, backs against the wall. What do you make of uh, Bruins head coach Bruce Cassidy calling out the officiating? Do you like that tactic here as maybe the only thing left in the uh, the bag of tricks? Well, he, we went to the, he went to the Phil Jackson school of trying to play those Jedi mind tricks, hoping that the officiating is going to be looking a little bit closely at the New York Islanders. But you know what? It's not about the officiating anything like that. The New York Islanders were able to not be taken away. It seems that any time Boston Bruins controlled the play, the Islanders did not allow them to get that goal. They were outshot 44-19 to in Game 5, but yet the Islanders were able to win that game and take the advantage in the series. So you can place a lot of shots on goal, but when you start using the officiating, but you have more shots on goal than your opponent and you lost Game 5, you can't put that on the officiating. you got to put that on your team, not putting the puck behind the goaltender, and the Islanders' defense, they make it very tough for you to even get into their zone and control things. So if you're not able to make shots count, that's not an officiating problem. That's a Boston Bruins problem. Freddie, here's a stat for you, and I hope you use this on your show. I'm going to tell this to you now. 
win trailing three games to two. The last four times that the Bruins have had game six on the road were all wins. So the last okay. four times they've been on the road trailing three games to two. Last four times in game six, trailing 3-2, they've won every time. Will the Bees continue the trend tonight? Who you got? Well, I look at it this way. That means they could be due for a loss because <laughs> all good things will come to an end at a certain point, whether it's they win tonight in a game six or they try to do that the next time. But the Islanders, that old barn, the Nassau Coliseum, is going to be rocking and rolling. But the Bruins have had experience winning a game in that building. They were able to win game three before the Islanders won the next two. But I think the series ends tonight because you're New York Islanders. You already know that the team you're going to play in the next round has already clinched, and that's the Tampa Bay Lightning. The last thing you want is to face that team having to play a Game 7 on the road against the Boston Bruins. So they're going to treat tonight like it's a Game 7, and I think the Islanders wind up winning that, and that should be a fun matchup. Islanders on one side and the Tampa Bay Lightning on the other side. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio host, Freddie and Fitzsimmons, tonight, 9 p.m. You can check it out streaming today at WDEVradio.com, and Freddie's with us on the Brady Farkas Show. Hey, I want to move over to the NBA. Mike D'Antoni now being mentioned as a possible head coaching candidate for the Celtics. What do we think of that? I do not think that's a good idea, seriously. I mean, I know I shouldn't use past experiences when it comes to current events, but I think if you're the Boston Celtics, to me, that's more of a stopgap measure, bringing him in and thinking that that's going to be the the coach that you need to be a championship team. Mike D'Antoni, seven seconds or less, it worked in Phoenix. I get that. It worked with the Houston Rockets, at times with the Lakers, but really not the New York Knicks. But are you really going to place the future fortunes of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in the hands of a guy that it seems that any three-point shot is a good shot? And I know we're in pace and space NBA, and the reason we're able to be in pace and space NBA was because of a lot of things he was able to bring to the table, the Phoenix Suns with Steve Nash and Mark Stoudemire and all those guys. But if I'm the Boston Celtics, I will look somewhere else. I think you have a better chance of having a younger coach that understands the, the modern NBA game but can relate to the players. And that's not to say that Mike D'Antoni can't do that. I just think he's too stubborn and too rigid on a lot of things that he is unable to adjust and make those kind of adjustments you're going to need in a series. We've seen that time and time again with him especially. He had a 2-2 series. Kevin Durant is out of game five when he coached the Houston Rockets. They were not able to win that. And then they have Steph Curry go over for the first half in game six, but they were not able to put them away. And then you go to another game seven, they missed 27 straight shots, and he thought every shot was a good shot. I don't think you place your fortunes in his hands. That's not, the, that's not to say you can't interview him and see what he's all about. But I don't think that would be a good hire for the Boston Celtics if they decide to go that route. The reports are already out that the Seas will look to trade Kemba Walker. I understand the desire for it, contract, age, knee questions. But because of all of that, I don't know that they can really get anything back for Kemba. So I don't, I'm not interested in just clearing salary space. I still want this team to be good. So I kind of feel like they're stuck with Kemba. What do you think? They are stuck with Kemba because what you just mentioned, Brady, that contract and also the injury issues that he's had the last couple of years, that's going to make it pretty much impossible to trade unless somebody wants to take that contract on and the Celtics are going to pay part of that contract. That'd be the only reason I would trade for Kimball Walker because I think right now he can be a very valuable backup guard. You can bring him into situations to have score some points and be a leader guy for a kind of young team that may need that leadership on and off the court. So I think that would work if you're able to find a way to get from underneath that contract. You're going to have to pay a part of that contract if you're the Boston Celtics because any team out there is not going to try to match up that contract, and you're going to part with pieces that you need. And if you part with guys that you don't need, if you're the Boston Celtics, why would you want those guys in your basketball team just to get from underneath the contract when it comes to Kimball Walker? So 
good luck to the Boston Celtics trying to trade out. They may have to just wind up cutting him and paying off that salary and just moving on and having that dead money count against the cap because they have a lot of faith in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown as they should. And maybe Pritchard, Peyton Pritchard can be the guy that can be your point guard that's more adept at running this offense. You're going to need to have run what he was able to do in spurts. So maybe he's ready to step into the front of the line and be your point guard. But first things first, you got to find a coach. And when you find that coach, you got to find somebody to be a taker for that Kimber Walker contract. And both of those are not going to be easy answers to find for the Boston Celtics. Freddie Patriots and OTAs. Cam Newton on Friday injured his hand and doesn't look like he's going to do a lot of work through the rest of uh, certainly OTAs this week and then maybe mandatory minicamp next week. I actually think that's a huge deal. Um, people think I'm overreacting. What do you think? I think you're overreacting no. because it's June. <laughs> because if this happened in July, then absolutely, then there'll be cause for concern because you want Cam Newton and the new pieces that you brought in that have that kind of that have that kind of chemistry working together, knowing where they like the football, where you can put the football here and there, you're going to get those kind of reps. But I want to see those reps when they're going up against padded equipment, when they're going up against their first team defense, when they're going one on one from that standpoint. I think it's a little bit overreaction, especially in early June with Cam Newton having an injury. It's not as if he's forgotten the offense. He's had a year in that offense and whatever counseling he can do in the sidelines, he's going to be able to benefit from that by doing that and also having Josh McDaniel say, hey, in this situation we do this, in this situation that we do that. This would be more cause for concern if this happened in July when training camps get started or getting closer to the regular season. I'm stating the obvious here. But I'm not going to be concerned about Cam Newton having what seems to be an insignificant hand injury that's not going to curtail any kind of progress he's going to make to be ready when training camp starts about a month and a half from now. You know, I never thought that Julio Jones was a great fit for the Pats. I, once I you know, started really studying the money and they could afford him, I acquiesced a bit and said, look, if he's okay with a more reduced role, then I'm okay bringing him in. But I never thought it was a great fit. But I don't like seeing him go to Tennessee because that's a team I thought the Pats were better than that is now maybe back even with them, and I don't like seeing that. What do you think this does for Tennessee? Yeah, I'm with you on that one in terms of you weren't expecting Julio Jones to go in and be that dominant wide receiver. At, at this point in his career, Julio Jones, he even said it himself, it's not about stats or anything like that. I was able to accumulate that with the Atlanta Falcons. But I want to go to a place where I know I have a chance to at least compete and contend for a championship. And now you put him with a Tennessee Titans team where you add him to that running offense, he's not going to see so much bracket coverage, what I mean by having somebody underneath and somebody over the top. For the first time in a long time, Julio Jones will know that it's that one-on-one coverage, and he can still beat one-on-one coverage at 32 years of age. And the kind of offense the Tennessee Titans are going to continue to run, they have their identity. They're going to run the football, be a tough, physical, brutish team to try to wear you down. But then if you creep up just a little bit to take away Derrick Henry in that running game, now you've got one-on-one coverage. And Julio Jones has shown he still has the ability to beat that one-on-one coverage. And Ryan Tannehill has shown that he can make those kind of throws. If he can consistently hit on those throws, those intermediate throws that could become chunk plays for the Tennessee Titans, now you have something that defense will have to worry about, which means that's one less guy that you got to block when you got to have Derrick Henry get loose. And we've seen what he's been able to do. You may stop him early, but right around that third and fourth quarter, you're getting worn down. He seems to get a lot stronger. Now you can generate big plays in your running game with him and in your passing game if you hit on those big pass plays that are going to be there with Julio Jones, part of the Tennessee Titans. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio. Freddie and Fitzsimmons, 9 p.m. weeknights, 9 p.m. tonight, streaming at WDEVradio.com. Freddie, I uh, I look forward to talking to you next week. Hopefully I don't come out with any battle scars from my shooting expedition. And uh, please, and please, I mean this, wish me good luck. Well, you have me, I have you in my prayers. So <laughs> as long as you have prayer and faith, Brady, 
you're going to be okay. So I can count on talking to you next week, okay? All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Freddie, as always. My pleasure, brother.